When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1800 858 858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. Wonderful to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network. The Harcourts open line is exactly that for you. Your move, your Harcourts, one 736 736 to have your say on the news of the day as we catch you up on the news and the major discussion points of the day. You can text in at any time, 0433-98-1116 on the temper text Temper a mattress like no other. Uh, for what it's worth, I've had a cracking day. Got up early, 7 o'clock golf lesson this morning, feeling good about where the swing's at. My man, Brandon Rave, uh, he's just a, a, like, a, like a Formula One mechanic is how he's just getting in there and tinkering and readjusting things and making sure that we're firing on all cylinders. I'd say if it was a... If I was an eight-cylinder vehicle or a 12-cylinder vehicle, I'm probably firing on about three, but that was three more than I was. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. David, I see your text there. It's the first text I get every night. I will get to your text about the dynamic between recruiters and coaches. It's different at every club, who reports to who, but we'll try and find some time to address that. Uh, by the end of the next couple of hours, if you promise not to keep sending the same message over and over again and clogging up the text machine. Uh, plenty happening tonight. So mid-season drafts get started at about 7 o'clock. So as picks comes in, we will let you know uh, who they are and where they're going and whatever we can uh, in regards to their backstory um, and uh, what they might bring to the table of your team if uh, that's who your team has recruited. Buddy Franklin at the Tribunal at the moment. We will take you through where that's currently at. They've been going since 5 o'clock. Um, I'll bring you up to speed on who said what in that regard. A couple of non-footy stories just to get started. So um, Australia uh, get their tour in uh, Sri Lanka started with the opening T20 on June 7th. Uh, in his first official tour as head coach. He was still the uh, caretaker coach in Pakistan. Aussie coach Andrew McDonald's going to miss at least the first match of the multi-format tour. He's tested positive to COVID-19 uh, today or yesterday. The Aussie team's going to depart tomorrow, Arvo. Uh, first game June 7th. Michael Divinuto will uh, replace him on an interim basis until he's ready and rearing. So that's not good for uh, Andrew McDonald. Not a great way to start off your first official tour uh, as uh, the head coach. Um, and in golf, four Aussies are set to feature in Greg Norman's inaugural uh, Saudi-backed Rebel Golf League event 
at Centurion Golf Club in London next week. So two-time Aussie Open champ, uh, Matt Jones, currently 68th in the world, uh, plays on the PGA Tour, Wade Ormsby. Um, Jed Morgan, who finished uh, first in the Order of Merit, um, Australian-Australasian PGA summer, and Blake Windred, who came in second. So Jed Morgan, it's interesting because he's not he will play in the US Open after uh, his success uh, finishing top of the money order, but he is not actually officially signed with either the European Tour or the American Tour. So he's not expecting any sanctions to come that way. And I'm sure these are very tough decisions made by these golfers. Um, the ethical dilemma that they would have confronted them. For the younger golfers, I can understand, given that last place on one of those tours, uh, one of those events is going to earn about $165,000. It's incredibly, I'd imagine it was an incredibly tough decision for them, the ethics involved in it, and also weighed up against uh, needing to make a living and earn a living uh, as a professional golfer. Uh, In even more stunning news Dustin Johnson former world number one will actually play at the first event he had recommitted to the PGA after it was rumored that he was going to um, be a uh, a regular on Greg Norman's tour but and he recommitted to being a PGA tour player has now backflipped on that and will play that event so the PGA have said that they will suspend and possibly in, impose lifetime bans on players who um, who uh, join the rebel tour so yeah, things getting to a uh, a tipping point in the world of golf. Uh, Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, just some of the other names um, that have uh, entered the Centurion Tournament. Um, Adam Scott playing a bit of a wait and see at the moment, but according to reports. Um, Cameron Smith has knocked back uh, the mega dollars on offer there. Uh, so the Buddy Franklin's Tribunal case, just to bring you up to speed as I hit refresh on the Fox Sports um, there's been a fair bit said in this. So Sydney are arguing that Buddy Franklin's hit on Cochin was careless and it was negligible. So uh, it wasn't low impact and it wasn't intentional. That's what they're arguing. Buddy has said that he was trying to push uh, Trent Cochin away and in no way would he ever attempt to strike anyone because it's not within the spirit of the game. Sydney tried to use some examples from 2020. That was uh, denied because... They believe that since 2020, the direction, the approach uh, that the AFL has taken to strikes has changed. So uh, they were unable to use those pieces of evidence. They have used some examples from 2021. Reese Matheson on Cozzy Pickett last year. Gary Rowan on Lockie Neal and, and uh, Sam Doherty jumper punch uh, have been used by Duncan Miller, who is acting for the for Buddy Franklin on behalf of the Sydney Swans. Uh, Andrew Woods ask, arguing on behalf of the AFL, who has said that Buddy Franklin's act... It's cowardly. It's not fight club or some combat sport. So there's um, uh, some pretty heavy uh, accusations being passed around. Um, the AFL also have made it clear, uh, Jeff Gleeson has said, even though it's an open hand, it doesn't mean it's not a strike. Uh, but he's saying that he had no intention to strike. But uh, Andrew Wood saying that even if you didn't intend to, it doesn't matter your intention, even if you didn't intend to, a strike is still what has occurred. Sydney are arguing that uh, if the first action wasn't intentional, then the second one isn't intentional either because he's only been suspended for the second impact that was made. Buddy Franklin said he wasn't, he couldn't remember where he made contact to Trent Cotchin. So there's still a fair bit to play out. Um, Miller has said... Um, Miller has also said, uh, sorry, the screen just refreshed and I lost my place 
within it. Um, Miller said the first contact to Cochin's arm is down low. The second, Cochin's arm is up. The combination with Cochin's arm coming up is enough for it to go from chest uh, to chin, saying that the contact was made uh, to the face or chin. So uh, still making arguments in Buddy Franklin's case, and we'll bring you up to speed um, when we have a when we have a result. It's gone past an hour, and they're still going through the submission. So still obviously a fair bit to play out. Uh, Buddy Franklin looking to get that one-match suspension overturned. Luke Hodge, interestingly enough, speaking to Jared Waitley earlier today, gave his view on what he'd like to have seen, what he'd like to see happen tonight. I can understand why people say it's a week. If you go to push, shove, and whether it's open or closed fist, and they classify it as a strike, it's a strike. And he did get him high. But we, we spoke about the umpire on Friday night who made the right decision with uh, the common sense. This is, a, this is a player who wasn't trying to hit someone in the face. And I know it's people saying, well, he did. He shouldn't have, shouldn't have pushed him or got him that high. I firmly believe that Bub was trying to get him in the chest that slipped up high. And it was an accident. And if you look down to common sense, did he strike him firmly? No. Did he try and get him in the face? No. Did it clip him? Yes. Was Cochin injured from it? No. He threw his head back, smiled, bumped a butt and ran off. So to me, that shows, bud, you're a silly man. We'll give you a fine. If you do that again, that's going to be weak. And I know people are going to be uproared. You can't stand that. It's not a good look for the game. But also, how fiscal and how hard this game is, I've felt that it was, it was a mistake. It glanced a little bit high. So that was Luke Hodge today. Only issue with saying that the intention was to hit him in the chest. That argument didn't work for Andrew Gaff. And I know the result of that before you jump down the throat via the temper. I know the results of that punch were far, far more devastating on Brayshaw than they were on Cochin. But that argument didn't land uh, and was unsuccessful in that particular case uh, as well. So you can have your say. 0433981116. Should the week stand? Should it be downgraded? Uh, the temper text, temper mattress like no other. Gerald Waitley gave his view. I think Franklin wants the opportunity to say, no, I didn't mean to punch, uh, to hit him in the chin. He didn't mm-hmm. punch him. He hit him in the chin. And I don't think that will count for diddly. I think he'll get to say it, and then he'll walk away with his weight. Yeah, so uh, that's what he has said, and we will wait and see. Um, another big discussion point today, which I'll get to in just a minute, but just to let you know too, with the conversation around Tassie and whether or not they will get the 19th uh, AFL licence, uh, the vote to happen in August, but there's been a lot of stories and conjecture about whether Gill's lost the fight for the cause, how many club presidents are actually on board. Um, uh, Carolyn Wilson's article saying that um, Collingwood, Sydney and the Gold Coast were not in favour. Um, there's even reports that uh, the leader of the opposition down in Tassie uh, wants that money spent elsewhere rather than a $750 million to a billion-dollar stadium. I thought we'd speak to a former Premier uh, and a man who was instrumental in getting the Tassie Jack Jumpers uh, up off the ground. So uh, Dave Bartlett's going to join me at 6.30 to have a chat about the impact of the Jack Jumpers, what we can learn from there and apply to uh, a potential AFL team, and also the state of football at the moment with basketball on the rise. So looking forward to catching up with the former Premier at about 6.30. Paddy Dangerfield uh, put an interest, a really great conversation point on the table today in his regular spot with Jared. He was reappointed um, or uh, reinstalled, do you say? Re-elected. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, as uh, the AFLPA president, this was Paddy Dangerfield on what he'd like to see in addition to a mid-season draft. I'd love to see at some stage mid-season trading come in. Um, we see it in, in other codes globally. Uh, it, it certainly adds a, a, another layer of intrigue and 
you know, I don't necessarily buy the the argument of the 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 art of list management. I think it adds to the challenge of list management. You know, if we were to add, you know, a, a layer of mid season trading in. So that was Paddy Dangerfield, and then was asked whether that was something the AFLPA have discussed. It's not something that we've really engaged a huge amount of conversation around as a PA, simply because there's been so much on. I think I think broadly we would be would be open to it. It's just the the I suppose the layers of it. If you're a player out of contract and all of a sudden you're getting uh, traded halfway through the season and you've got you know a family of two or three and you're expected to move um, across the crunch country, you'd want more certainty than that. So there need to be sort of parameters around that potentially if it was to be um, introduced, you wouldn't want to be picking up the whole family and moving across the, the country for, for three months. But I suppose those are the things that you weigh up as a player is you're looking for more opportunity and this is a mechanism to provide that, then um, you know, they're the decisions you make as a player. The AFL Players Association, Jared, said this time last year that it would welcome fresh discussions about the introduction of a trade period mid-year, declaring, and it was a big admission from Paul Marsh, that the competition must continue to evolve. That's as much as we've ever got from the player union. And I spoke to them again this morning. They do maintain that view. The other view they have is that they're pretty wary. They're pretty wary for the vulnerable players out there, the ramifications for players who aren't of the top bracket like Patrick Dangerfield and those who may get shunted here, there and everywhere mid-year with little to no notice. And the logistics, they argue, would need to be really clear-cut on that. They say that history says that while players must consent to being traded in contract, the pressures are being asked to be traded, to consider one. The realisation that you might not be wanted at your current club, the realisation you might not be getting a game at your current club means the moves almost always happen. So the view from the players themselves has been mixed. The union says some are for it, some are against it. But it can work both ways. If you're in a horrible position at a club and you want to get out, then this can be a great thing. And similarly, if clubs are hard up, injuries and the like, they've been found short in a particular position. For example, Sam in Perth, what would Carlton give for a ruckman like Todd Goldstein at the moment? Yeah, and the, I think this is the the haves and the have-nots. You are much more likely to get top odds in season as a bottom club for an asset than you will in the trade period. So but, you can fast-track mm. a rebuild and sell to clubs who are desperate to get that asset next week. So that was Paddy Dangerfield, then Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley discussing what is a really great conversation topic. Um, the pros and cons of what a mid-season trade period would bring in addition to the mid-season draft, which starts tonight at 7 o'clock. I think it's inevitable, and I'm going to try and add something to that conversation after 7 o'clock in my Tell Me Why I'm Wrong segment. I think it's inevitable, and I think that there's real wins. So as Jared pointed out, you can start your rebuild a lot quicker and build up capital uh, and uh, and draft pick assets if you realise that your season's shot. So what could the West Coast Eagles be doing now, or maybe even North Melbourne, and it could be along the lines of a Todd Goldstein to go to Carlton, and what could they get, uh, and what could they start building um, and stockpiling in order to start that you know, when you realise that, okay, there's not, we, we're really just playing for pride for the rest of the year, where now do we need to be looking to in the future and how can, quickly can we start rebuilding? There's benefits for players. There's benefits for clubs. If you're someone who values mobility in life and like to experience new frontiers and new adventures, then this will suit you uh, down to the ground. I understand that fans might lose their favourite player, but you might also gain 
your favourite player from another club as well. And as injuries continue to mount season on season, there needs to be more solutions to covering an injury-ravaged side. Because you might be like Carlton at the moment, go, well, we're right in the mix, but, geez, we're getting some really unfortunate injuries to some key, key players. What can we do in order to cover for them? Yeah, there's the mid-season uh, mid-season draft, but is that going to help us? We need someone who's established. We need someone who can who can pick up where that player left off. And this would create a mechanism for that. And and I agree that it does help. It doesn't diminish the role of list management. It actually enhances the role of list management as well. I think that this is inevitable. And if you look at what it might also give in terms of just a key touch point of, of re-energised interest at the midway point of the year, Trade Radio breaks... I don't know how many records every year we do it with the amount of downloads and listens. So some people say they hate it, but I can tell you that the podcast numbers absolutely put paid to that. People consume the trade chat more just than just about anything we do. I mean, it blows up deluxe. You can't tell me there's not an appetite from the from the fans about this. It is really, really engaged in uh, and consumed at a very, very high amount. So it would create some real excitement around the competition has to be parameters to protect the vulnerable as we know, but that can easily be installed. This would be a highlight of the year come this point. We'll talk more about it after seven. You can have your say on that one, 300, seven, three, six, seven, three, six. Mark's in Greenvale. G'day, Mark. G'day. Um, two points I wanted to make. One is with the buddy case, I've just been scrolling online and there's commentary about like what some of the defense is. And one of the defences that has actually been used is they've said in an earlier case this year, a two-handed jumper punch has actually been deemed as careless and not deliberate in terms of striking. Now, I don't see how that can be deemed as careless and buddies can be seen as deliberate because you can see it on the vision. If Buddy wanted to hit him in the face, you're not just going to glance or whatever at the bottom of his chin. You're actually going to push his face away or whatever. The the contact was so exaggerated, it's not funny. Um, now, another thing I quickly wanted to say, this is just in relation to mid-season trade, and I know you want to talk about this or whatever after seven. That's all right. Go for your life, Mark. I would, yeah, I would think that some um, context around players and their families and whatever need to be given. Because if you're talking about a mid-season trade, especially if someone's moving interstate, Mm -hmm. um, to up and move a family in the middle of the year and they might have kids in school and whatever else would absolutely be horrendous. Oh, and um, I, I think that's situational, Mark. Of... I don't think you can apply horrendous to everybody's situation. As I said, for some people, they might be absolutely on board with mobility and to get another chance somewhere else where they might not be getting a chance at their club. I don't think horrendous applies as a blanket adjudication on what that would be like for every family. It would be situational. Now, that's, that's fair enough. But all I want to say is, because I heard mm. this morning about, they were talking about, trading West Coast players out because they might want picks. And it bothers me when I think to myself, you know what? Sometimes AFL footy players, they're like seen as tradable commodities and cattle. And I think to myself, you know what? They're real people Mm. and they need to be seen that way. 
Oh, I totally agree with you, Pete. Uh, I think that given that there's some great examples as of how this does and does not work in other competitions around the world, I think you can pick and choose on the way you do it. Baseball, you're 100% right. They do treat them like their lives are meaningless and have no value. But there are other sports that do it a lot better and with a lot more player welfare in a lot more of a player welfare minded approach so you're 100 right we need to pick and choose the best methods for it hey back after this great start of the maccas run one 736 welcome to the maccas run with sam hargraves with special sauce and juicy beef grab the one and only big mac at maccas today Steve Price takes this one out playing with a lot of width four tackles gone now lock you to the left Darren Lockout, he kicks, Slater's picked it up, was he onside? Slater, down the ground, he kicks again, he'll get there, he's over, Billy Slater, he has scored, one of the great Origin tribe. Lockyer goes to that left foot again, and it is with Tamana Tahu, youngest player in the New South Wales side, Hodgson around to Carey. Hudson lassoed by Tallis. Look at Tallis. Look at Tallis. He drags him over and out of the rectangular ring. <laughs> One of the greatest commentators to ever get behind a microphone, Rabs Ray Warren, has announced his retirement officially today. The voice of rugby league, the voice of state of origin. He has called 99 out of 120 state of origin games over a 55 year career that took in a heap of other sports as well. Uh, whether it be horse racing or swimming, Rabs, one of the very best. On my Mount Rushmore of the greatest Australian commentators of all time with Dennis, Bruce and Richie, Rabs absolutely deserves to be up there. So we wish him all the best and it just won't be the same without him heading up the nine coverage this year. Hey, on the other side uh, of the break, um, on the other side of the break, Pete in Paran, I'll come to your call, and then Dave Bartlett, uh, the former Premier of Tasmania, will just take us through the success of the Jack Jumpers that he helped install and what that might mean for a footy team in Tasmania. Jury deliberating in the Buddy Franklin case. The parting shot from Duncan Miller was Trent Cochin might earn an invite to the Logies instead of the Brownlow this year. Shots fired. After the AFL councillor said Buddy was cowardly. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Welcome back or to the Macca's Run, whichever category you fit into. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. one 736 The Harcourt's open line is always open to you. Your move, your Harcourt's. Have your say on the news of the day. And you can text 0433 on the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. Dave Bartlett standing by for Matazzi Premier. Pete and Paran waited patiently to have his say. Pete, far away. Yeah, g'day, mate. Thanks for taking the call. Um, so this thing, the Buddy's uh, charge, uh, as per the previous caller, uh, I think there's been too many uh, precedents, too much precedent, which has shown that you can hit the head unintentionally. Uh, my example is Willie Rialvis when he jumped up and then said uh, it was unintentional and I tried to swerve in the air to uh, protect myself and the other player, etc. There is too much precedence now. There is a way to fix all this, and I mentioned it many times um, to Dwayne and a couple of other, you know, fairly regular listeners. 
um, a couple of the other shows, and it's quite simple. We have to take uh, Brad... Um, uh, sorry, I forget your surname. Who's, Scott. Who's uh, the operator? Sorry? Brad Scott. Brad Scott, thank you very much. If we take his edict to the letter, literal, and, and says that if you go in or you, you keep the head that you pay the consequences for it. And therefore, and therefore my, uh, my uh, um, perception of this is that any time you hit the head, it's a one-week minimum. It then goes up from there depending on severity and intention, etc. But if, if Brad Scott has the simplest answer, which is you hit the head, Bad luck. Unintentional or intentional, doesn't matter. Great stuff. Uh, appreciate your contribution, Pete, and appreciate your call. We'll wait and see the jury are deliberating uh, at the moment. So August this year, and we've been speaking about this a lot, is D-Day uh, for the Tasmanian bid to get to become the 19th AFL team. I've said many times that this is just something that has to happen. We have denied this state for far too long. Uh, I even made the joke the other night that if we are to provide uh, the final slap in the face after 160 years of slaps in the face, and I've got no drama in Tasmania putting a letter down on Anthony Albanese's desk or the Governor-General's and saying, you have wronged us for the last time, we're off. This is our two weeks' notice. We formally secede. Absolutely hope it doesn't get to that point, but... Gil McLaughlin looking for an almost unanimous uh, presidential vote that would bring Tasmania in. We're hearing stories from Carolyn Wilson that some of that support is starting to wane. There may even be uh, some cracks starting to emerge in the state itself. So I really wanted to speak to former Premier David Bartlett, um, who was Premier in Tassie from 08 to 2011. He's the president of the Hobart Chargers in the Siebel, uh, the basketball competition, and he was instrumental in getting the Tassie Jack Jumpers up and off the ground and in uh, to an NBL final series in their first ever season. So he is very well placed to be able to have a chat to us about where things currently stand. He's been good enough to join us. Uh, David, hello to you. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Great to be with you. So let's start with the Jack Jumpers first and foremost. Can you just explain to those who aren't aware, what was your role in helping that club get off the ground? Because it seemed from the outside looking in that this was almost like a, a snap of the fingers and the Jack Jumpers were born. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it well, wasn't it was. that simple, but Larry, Larry Kesselman's a visionary. Things happen quickly when he wants them to. But what was your role and, and how, what's the story behind it? Look, in, um, in late 2016, uh, I was sitting comfortably in my office doing a bit of, you know, post-political consulting and all of that, and NBL legend uh, Anthony Stewart, probably the GOAT as far as Tasmanian male uh, NBL players go, came into my office. He knew I was a basketball tragic fan, and he said, look, the Chargers are in a whole world of trouble, um, you know, in a lot of debt, crowds waning, you know, would you like to come and help us and you know, volunteer to be club president and see if we, you can get us out of the hole. And I said, look, I'm happy to do that, but we have to make it a bigger platform than that. We have to make it. And so I started talking about we're going to make Tasmania NBL ready within three years. And we used the charges really to create an NBL-style product. So we went back to the Derwent Entertainment Centre, now my state. We went from 200... Um, 200 people average in the crowds to 2,000 average, including one preliminary final in 2018 where we had 4,500 people in the house to see a 
interesting C-ball game, what's now called NBL 1. Um, I took a video of that, of course, and I'd already been talking a lot with Larry Kesselman. And I sent a video of him saying, look, 4,500 people show up to a C-ball game. How many do you reckon will show up to an NBL game if you bring it here? And um, I, I'd set myself a target of uh, one of the NBL ready in three years. Larry Kesselman announced... Um, there'd be an NBL licence granted to Tasmania in three years and three months. So I missed it by that much. <laughs> well, um, hang your head in shame, Dave. Hang your yeah. head in shame. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be completely honest with you, I, um, uh, you know, while I was um, you know, on the advisory board for Larry and so on, I, I basically withdrew from any official role with the Jack Jumpers because I just wanted to be a fanboy. Yeah. Um, I've got an 18-year-old son who's a complete basketball obsessive like me. We bought courtside seats this season. We sat in the Hollywood Row, you know, pretended we were Drake and Jack Nicholson or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in Tasmania, we can get away with it. Sure. Uh, and, um, and, you know, we just loved the season. We loved yeah. everything that um, the organisation did. And, um, you know, I'm still heavily involved with the Chargers. And, in fact, yeah. I'm my way down to coach uh, senior women's side of the Mighty King with Kings tonight. So I'm heavily involved, but have just loved the rollout of what everything the Jack Jump has done. It's united the state, and you never, ever see that in Tasmania. It's always north versus south, or this one versus that one. Uh, not with the Jack Jumpers. It's a full statewide you know, massive support for them. What's it shown, Dave, to those who might still be doubting whether a Tasmanian AFL team would work? How, what, what's been the benefit of the Jack Jumpers in terms of the bid to get the 19th AFL team, do you think? Well, I think it's fours and against, I suppose. The fours for it are is it shows that if you create a brand and a club that reflects the values and the culture of Tasmanians, and it, we are a peculiar lot down here, in case you hadn't noticed, um, if, if that brand and the club really reflects those values, Tasmanians statewide will get behind it. If you try to import a mainland, you know, thing and plonk it down here and say, yeah, there you go, Tasmanians, that's what you get, um, we don't take very kindly <laughs> to it. And what Scott Roth did, the, ge the genius of Scott Roth as the coach, you know, he arrived first before they'd even recruited any players, and he spent a lot, three months just travelling the state, talking to everyone um, from politicians to schools to basketball people to non-basketball people, and he asked them, you know, what is the values of this state? What do you value? What are, is the culture of this place? And I think he worked it out pretty quickly. We yeah. value hard work a bit of blue-collar grit, a bit of mongrel, a bit of secessionism, you know, a bit of us against the world. We love that stuff here in Tasmania. And he really captured that not only in his recruits, but then in the culture of how they played and the, the spirit on the floor. No one expected them to make finals. Certainly no one expected them to make the grand final playing against the, you know, the hobnobs in, in, uh, in Sydney <laughs> Kings. Um, but it was a, just, it was a classic ESPN 30 for 30, Absolutely. you know, 
Cinderella story. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't have been better. So, yeah. so, Dave, at the moment, I want to get your sense of you've got your finger on the pulse of the, of the current AFL bid. You're still incredibly well connected in the state. So where we stand at the moment with the, with the vote coming in August, so these are just a few of the things that have happened uh, over the last couple of weeks. So Callum Wilson wrote the story that uh, the state government had submitted the $150 million bid, $100 million over 10 years, $50 million in start-up, a stadium based uh, close to the CBD, in Hobart. Now, Colin Carter's report to the AFL said that it would need a commitment of 7 to $11 million a year. They've gone for $10 million a year. Carolyn Wilson reported that the AFL wanted $20 million a year. We've had Alistair Clarkson say that they could look to do a local fan ownership, similar to what the Green Bay Packers do in the NFL. And then just this week, despite on May 14th being pictured on the front page of the Mercury uh, with the Premier uh, Jeremy Rockliffe and the Greens leader uh, Cassie O'Connor, um, the uh, leader of the opposition, Rebecca White, has said now that she thinks that money for the stadium could be spent better helping Tasmanians with cost of living, falling wages and the housing crisis. So that would seem that there's a couple of cracks appearing in the unified stance that has been there. How are you reading the current landscape as we get closer to August? Well, I'd describe it like this. Three months ago, the very strong rumour was this would be Gillan McLaughlin's parting gift to Tasmania. When I dealt with Gillan, uh, uh, particularly, I mean, Demetria was CEO then, but Jill was dealing a lot with me as Premier back in the day. Um, uh, he was very enthusiastic about a team in Tasmania. So the rumours were really swirling is that this deal is done, we're going to get issued a licence, there'll be a bunch of conditions precedent. Now, those rumours have changed pretty heavily on the ground just in the last few weeks to, you know, they're sending us North Melbourne again. Well, they tried that when I was Premier and they wanted $100 million over 10 years to, for North Melbourne to play um, 10 ga- uh, just 10 games a season, not even actually relocate here. Um, And we said no. Um, Now, the rumours now really around the state are, well, no, the feeling around the state is, I would say, is it's now or never. If you don't, if it's not this time, then, you know, AFL, it's our love affair um, between Tasmania and the AFL is over and we're not coming begging again. It's done for a generation if you don't give it to us this time. It's very much the feeling on the ground. And also, don't try and relocate a team here. We yeah. don't want that. We want a ground up, built from the floor up. Now, in terms of comments from the Leader of the Opposition, I haven't seen them. The only bit I did see was her questioning, and this was from an FOI, a Freedom of Information request, that you know the, the state government had said this stadium would cost $750 million. Everybody knows it's going to cost at least $1.5 billion because that's what happens with stadiums. Mm. We saw it with Optus Stadium in Perth, etc. It's mm. a $1.5 billion stadium. Now, I'm not sure she's split off from agreeing to that. I think she's just asking the question sure. that opposition leaders And, and it would have seemed... It would have seemed that she wasn't quite aware in those comments of um, the overall cost, uh, but also the economic benefits of what the team and actually that project itself, which will be a massive job creator in and of itself. Um, the other part of the story was that maybe Gill's hunger for it was, there was a concern that maybe Gill's hunger was waning and that the, and, and, and it was the pies, the sons and the swans quoted as being uh, maybe not on board just yet. Um, does those things concern you? Well, I've got to be honest with you guys. They don't really concern me personally because I'm a basketball fan and <laughs> I got what I wanted. And I, I will say this, though. It does concern all the AFL fans in Tasmania. Yep. 
And what really pisses all of those people off when I go on the radio and say this, that if we don't get this licence this time around, basketball will be the most played and watched sport in Tasmania within five years. I, I own a small basketball business with um, a couple of ex-NBL players. One of them says hello, by the way. The or one of the ones you had lunch with What's the other that? day. Chris Anstey says hello, by the way. He just walked past before. Oh, he's a good man, that Chris Anstey. came in and saw our little shop and... Uh, uh, yes, made me look really, really short. Um, he, do, he does that. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, that we we can't keep up with demand now. It's off the charts. Yeah. The schools, all the schools we work with are reporting that. You know, we had this basketball hoop that a few kids played on. Now you can't get near it. Can we put in, you know, what's your advice on putting in more hoops sort of stuff? It is just going gangbusters. Every second kid you see in town is wearing a Jack Jumpers jersey. Um if the AFL don't jump now, they will have missed the chance, I think, forever. Yeah, and, and my understanding too, Dave, speaking to David Bartlett, former Tassie Premier, instrumental in getting the jack jumpers off the ground, we're talking about, you know, have the jack jumpers paved the way to show exactly what's possible for a, an AFL licence to be granted. Um, I've been reading during the week that um, Glenorchy's twos couldn't field a side. I mean, this is one of the most storied and with one of the richest histories in Tasmanian football, couldn't field a twos side. Um, and there's the real fear that now with in schools, as you said, all reporting that there's far more basketballs being bounced around than there are footballs being kicked around. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, this is, this is a footy heartland state. I mean, that would just be a tragedy. And that just hasn't happened overnight, by the way. No. My son's now 18, but he's six foot four. He was six foot two in grade six. Not one AFL clinic ever run in his primary school. Never invited to come and join an AFL um, team. School didn't have an AFL team. So he took up basketball and he sold for life. Might have been a bit of influence from his dad as well. Um, but, like, I think the AFL here has, has 20 years of questions to answer. And... They think that because we've had Hawthorne and North Melbourne here, mm. tick, we can tick Tasmania. But what they have 100% failed to do is actually get to the grassroots and build the sport from the kids yep. up. And now you're seeing the effects of that in, exactly, the Norky Football Club would be one of the greatest, if not the greatest. You know, Hudson played there, for God's sake. Absolutely, right? you know, yep. And they can't even field a seniors team some weeks um, let alone there's no reserve side and certainly no under-19 side. Wow. Uh, so I made, a, I made a joke about this, and I'll, I'll throw the joke up again, but uh, you couldn't – I just you can't blame the state if they say, look, we're done now. We, we will secede. We've had enough. Like, oh, we're, we're, we're off. Here's our resignation. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It, it frustrates me, well, Dave, because it, we, we call it the Australian Rules Football. We call it the AFL yet a heartland state still is is being just dismissed and taken for granted. And, um, yeah, so, I mean... We, yeah. I, and I, I, look, I guess, yeah. I guess what, what, what pains most AFL fans in Tasmania is they look at the turn-up at, you know, Gold Coast uh, games and go, you've got to be joking, right? You've got to be joking. What a strategic error that was for the AFL. But just on that, Dave, is it a strategic error for footy fans in Tassie? And I think there might be a bit of this happening. You tell me if I'm wrong. But there's a bit of we're not turning back up again until you give us a team, which I think might not be the smartest tactic. Are you noticing a bit of that with the crowds at? Or even Hawthorne games, which oh, are normally pretty well supported. 
Yeah, no, the crowds are very much down. There's no doubt about that. Mm. I don't think there's a conscious movement of saying, right, we're not going as a protest. Yeah, okay. I think people just are losing interest genuinely in AFL in this state because their kids aren't growing up with it. The kids aren't playing it in schools. The kids aren't going to the clubs. And so, yep, I'll sit at home. Frankly, I can watch um, Carlton versus Collingwood any weekend I want on, you know, on uh, streaming or free-to-air. I'm not going to bother going out and seeing these teams, you know, um, in my own hometown until I've got a hometown team. And this is the other thing, and I'll, you know, I have to leave you guys, but I, you know, the, 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 the Jack Jumpers has shown that whether it's Launceston or Hobart or what have you, the whole state will yep. get behind a team that's genuinely Tasmanian, yep. called Tasmania, and reflects the Tasmanian values, culture, ethos. That's, that's what's the most important thing here. Uh, just the last one, Dave. I know you've got to go. Um, I know that when Bill Shorten was running at the last election, he promised about $25 million to Tassie if they're to get an AFL team. I couldn't find any commitments from Anthony Albanese. Uh, are you aware of any federal no. commitments yet? or and, and do you see it being an issue? No, I don't, I don't, I don't believe there are any federal uh, commitments from the Labor Party on this, and I don't think there were on the, in the Liberal Party uh, either. Um, uh, I... You know, I, I suspect there would be federal support available. Mm. I'm not, I can't speak for those politicians, of course, but I suspect there would be federal support available if there was certainty around a license yeah, and, okay. and around the pathway to get Well, there. Dave, as um, we're, now, yeah, that top, speculative. now that Top Gun's back in vogue, I'll use a line from the first one, take me to bed or lose me forever. And that's the situation that Tassie... <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's where yeah, we're at. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you're right. You're dead right. Good on you, guys. Cheers. Uh, Dave Bartlett, former Tasmanian Premier, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you'd like to have a crack at the very quick Macca's Run quiz that'll happen after this, Marvel Stadium Corporate Suite double pass up for grabs, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And Buddy Franklin's one-match ban stands. He will miss Saturday's clash with Melbourne. That's just come in from the tribunal. Macca's Run. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Mr Franklin intended to strike Mr Cochin. He was looking directly at him. He was obviously upset about being blocked while looking uh, at the ball. It was swift and direct. It comfortably constitutes a strike. That's Jeff Gleeson. Tribunal decision. Buddy Franklin's one-match ban stands. He'll miss Saturday's clash with Melbourne. Uh, Macca's run quiz. A true or false? We're going to rip through this because we've got about a minute to go in the show. Justin in Werribee, ready to roll? Yeah, mate. True or false? John Newcomb was Hawthorne's first selection in last year's mid-season draft. Hawthorne's. Uh, Hawthorne's first election. True. Yes. Uh, West Indies and South Africa will be the two teams coming out to play test matches in the upcoming summer of cricket. Uh, true. Alan Jeans has coached the most wins for St Kilda. False. Unfortunately, that one's wrong. Uh, Nick in Cranbourne. If uh, the last one was false, it means... Uh, last answer was false. It means it must be true. So question four, who did Essendon defeat in their last ever finals win in 2004? Oh, shit. Easy on the language, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, oh, Collingwood. Uh, no, I'll go Geelong. Wrong on both counts. 
Ryan in Lang Warren. Who did Essendon last defeat in there? Uh, who did Essendon, Who was Essendon's last finals win against? Uh, Melbourne. Yes, it was. And true or false, to date, McDonald's has sold over one billion Happy Meals. True. It is absolutely true. Nicely done, mate. Uh, you are heading off to Marvel Stadium. Uh, double pass to Corporate Suite at Marvel Stadium. All thanks uh, to our very good friends at Macca's. Stay on the line and uh, Willem will get your details. How's that sound? Awesome, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, good part of the world, Lang Warren. Uh, Jack Heverin's still the pride of Lang Warren, just ahead of Luke Parker. Um, Hey, uh, that's it for the Macca's run. Uh, thanks for all your calls and texts. We can keep the conversation going, though, because Sporting Capital uh, is up after this with you for another hour. Grab the one only Big Mac at Macca's today, and we will get into Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. I've got to rip it tonight. So that's all coming up next. And the mid-season draft will keep you across every single pick.